Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to this week's episode of Calcio e Cappuccino. We have a packed schedule to cover this week, a bit of the Derby della Capitale with Aaron in Roma. Uh, we have the provisional and set World Cup rosters that are a bit intriguing. We've got Mourinho's 15 out of 16 game of clue that we're going to be playing a bit. Uh, Napoli may be 10 points clear by the end of this week, um, and they are on a 10-game gre- 10 winning streak. Uh, before we get into it, I just want to mention that this is the last week to hit the UEFA 22 promo for that free month. You want to get in while you can or hit the 50% off promo with all year. A-L-L-Y-E-A-R. I am back with Christine Cupo with Dre Cordero, Aaron West and Poppy Miller. How's everybody feeling? I feel like if we had a theme song, like this would be the time to hit it. I don't like just like a, like a 1990s kind of. Wait, yeah. wouldn't it just be like the P plus, the the blue screen ditty that gets stuck in my head that I forget to turn off? That you know. No, no, it, it, it would ha- it would have to be like the Serie anthems, which like sound like 1990s ballads. You know, the ones that ring out around like uh, Serie. Speaking of uh, those ballads, um, Aaron was uh, at the Derby d'Italia. Excuse me, the Derby della Capitale. This past weekend, we had both the W Italia and the W della Capitale. And I'm just extremely jealous of the fact that this guy continues to live his best life. Uh, I'm happy for you. Um, Daniele De Rossi uh, was a really uh, compelling interview. How, how was that? He was amazing, actually. He was super, super humble, super nice guy, very, very intelligent, very insightful, um, very open. I, I really, really enjoyed that interview. It's one of the uh, I actually ones I've enjoyed the most. He just was a guy that seems to know exactly like who he is and be very, very grounded. Um, he like it's it's an interesting thing for someone as famous as him to to both understand like how famous they are, but not be like really moved by it. He seems just very much a real person. Um, and like he understands his importance to to the footballing community, especially the Italian footballing community. But like he's a real person and he's not really like phased by that kind of um it's it, it was really really it was a, a really fun interview he was just like a, a, he seemed like a friend like when we first like met it was it was great there's there's something about that i knew he would be just extremely interesting because when you have 
the career that he's had and, you know, the affiliation to uh, the Italian national team, to everything that he's meant to Roma. And you decide late in your career, you know what? I just want to go play at the Bombonera. Like, I want to I want to play at Boca. I want to live that experience and, and see, like, how Argentine football is just different. It, it really just is. If you watch what the fans are like in that league, um, especially for a team like Boca or River, like, it looks more like religious fanaticism than it does like a sporting event or an entertainment thing. So for someone like De Rossi at that stage in his career to say, you know what? I'm going over there. Just to me, just screams of somebody who's really interesting and thoughtful. He uh, he was so moved by his time in Argentina. He really, really took it seriously. The the passion of the those fans, like we we all know how how serious it is, but like it it you could tell it was an experience that meant a ton to him. He didn't spend a, t- a lot of time there, but in his time, you could tell like he really he was super super moved by the the, the passion of those fans, the atmosphere. It it, it taught him a lot, I think. Um, but it was, I, I was really interested to, to ask him about that. Like, that was one of the first things I thought of when they said Daniele De Rossi, like, why would you go there? Why, why ex- exactly would he want to go there? And, and he wanted to feel that he, um, I think he's just a, a guy who really just loves football. Like he loves, it, it's, it's one of those things. Not a lot of players are going to go get dressed up and go into La Curva, um, and, and just try to experience that energy, not just as a player, but as a, a fan. Um, and he's the type of dude that did that. And, and I, I think would probably do it again if it wasn't, if like someone wasn't going to stare into his soul and know exactly who he was. <laughs> um, there's a lot of news going around with the world cup teams being named. Um, we don't have all of them, although they are like slowly trickling out. I don't know if you guys if we can, like dispense with the formalities and the, and the welcomes and the hellos and just get uh, right into this. Uh, because what I'd like to talk about first and foremost is we've got Poppy Miller with us, who hosts our studio coverage for Serie A. And Poppy, I, I think you need to stand up and defend your people because Sikaya <laughs> uh, Tamori not being included in the roster is to me an absolute atrocity. Um, we can talk about some of the other World Cup teams. We can talk about what team the Italians won't be uh, sort of cheering on their World Cup, uh, their side of the World Cup should be rooting for it. And there are some re- really interesting and maybe like less expected ones. But let's start with England because you look at the crop of center backs that they have and you can't, I don't know, Tamori doesn't just belong on that roster. He belongs in that starting 11. Let me just start by saying I am not defending Gareth Southgate <laughs> whatsoever here. When I came out, I mean, there was rumours that he wasn't going to be included, especially after how the last camp unfolded. Um, I think a lot, you know, were hoping that he we would see him, but it is despicable that he is not in this roster. Like you said, Dre, he shouldn't even not be not in this roster, but he is also a contender to start in the World Cup. So that makes it even more shocking. And when you look at how Harry Maguire has played so far this season, for him to be considered still the starting centre-back, it just is absolutely crazy. There's only one player on this entire roster that Gareth Southgate has put out that doesn't play in the Premier League or in England. So I think that says a, yeah. yeah, I think that says a lot about the selections that he's made and the players that he's been watching closely. But at the same time, I think it's it's just absolutely awful that we're not we're not, we're not seeing um Tamori in this roster and we're seeing, you know, Connor Cody, Harry Maguire, Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer hasn't even had a good time at Tottenham lately. So 
it just is it's crazy does anyone ever have a good time at Tottenham I mean that's true that's very true as well does anyone have a good time at Manchester United either that's also one of the questions Uh, although they've been doing well lately maybe that's Um, actually the common denominator in Southgate selection is like are you suffering are you suffering on a diurnal basis in Premier League would you like to suffer further Harry Maguire hasn't had a good time has he I think he's only made like three starts or something crazy like that so I'm not surprised not to see Tammy Abraham when we know that he hasn't been in the best form. So I think it would have been more surprising if he was included. But I think to not see Tamori is just, it's really disappointing as as an England fan and especially to see the, the, the overall selections and almost the bias towards the Premier League, which we all know is the best league. But at the same time, it, it almost screams that there is other leagues and there's players in fantastic form like Tamori that we that we could have seen in there. So I'm massively disappointed, honestly. And I know a lot of other people. I was just reading a couple of articles this morning and 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 opinions and listening to to different radio radios and podcasts. And I think everybody has a very similar opinion. I've not seen one person uh, have an opinion that he shouldn't have been included. So it's just a bit shocking, honestly. To, to I see think that. It's, it's heartbreaking for Tamori because he truly did earn it. Um, I, I mean, there's it's inexcusable, quite frankly. But for me, I think um, the omission of Tammy, it's understandable. But I think that that more falls in my own personal bucket of just disappointed. Um, I would have liked to have seen him getting the call up, but he's been spotty. Can we I tell us one people who probably were overjoyed seeing Tomori's name not in that call-up list, which is the entire Milan management? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Silver linings. <laughs> that's true. Anyway, like, as soon they as they saw that off. list, I'm sure like they were all like, oh my God, this is the greatest news we could have got. <laughs> they, they and, I, and I'm happy. Fruit basket, like, I'm so sorry that you were omitted and then popped the champagne quietly in the background. <laughs> I'm happy to not see Tamori when the U.S. play England at the World Cup in the group stage as well. So yeah, I know yes, that. Yes. I'm, I'm upset for him, but I'm not upset about him. <laughs> yeah. uh, it. I, I did hear to make it easier. That's fine. I did hear one uh, really high-profile voice, at least one, defend uh, the decision not to include him, and the others, you know, less high-profile that I've heard have echoed sort of the same sentiment, and it just sounds so absurd to me. Uh, Jamie Carragher, who um, is on the panel for our Champions League coverage on Paramount Plus. Um, when asked about Tamori's exclusion on Twitter, uh, said what the guy who uh, looked atrocious, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, uh, in both games against Chelsea. And if you're going to distill Tamori's time in Serie A to one game and 17 minutes uh, against Chelsea, yeah. which admittedly were, not, uh, were so far removed from the best version of him, were actually quite poor, uh, but to sort of draw... A decision like a World Cup omission based on those two matches in the Champions League group stage just seems absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> such a good point, though, Dre, because I think that for a lot of England fans and, and for a lot of people watching that game in particular yeah. that don't watch Milan week in, week out, that was an easy chalk-up decision for them to make based on those two performances. And I think, we, right. we like you said, we can all agree they weren't his best games, they also weren't the best games of a lot of players for Milan as well. It just so happened the mistakes fell on his shoulders. But <clears throat> at the same time, imagine if we had the same critical lens of, of Harry Maguire, for example, at Manchester United and some of the mistakes that he's made at the back. So I think it's very unfair that, that those were the matches that had a lot of English eyes on it because it was obviously against an English opponent. But yeah. it is a real, it's a real shame for those that watch him week in and week out and see how consistently good he has been for Milan. 
So that's such a great shout because if he has those games against Salzburg instead of Chelsea, then that argument goes out the window, right? Like one, they're right. probably not watching the Milan Salzburg game. And two, it's it's the fact that it was against Chelsea that made it so high profile. And yet, given that, I still think it's absurd to leave him out based on two games, even if it was against back-to-back games against Chelsea and Manchester City. I don't care. It's still sort of a, a really... I think thoughtless um, uh, analysis, Con- considering as you mentioned uh, the the quality or lack of at centre back that England have. And I just want you to know this whole defend your country thing was just a ruse to try and get you to badmouth some of the English players <laughs> and potentially get, get banned from get your me mother. Wrong, Dre. It's still coming home, that's for sure. Just kidding. <laughs> oh just my kidding. Okay, just kidding. <laughs> I'm like, no, we need to get another English person on here that will like ardently defend Southgate's decision <laughs> just so that they like can, we can watch the vein pop on their forehead but I will um, I will defend him about Tammy I don't think Tammy deserved a call-up at this moment in time had it been, had the World Cup happened last year he would have had a much stronger argument but I think there's a lot of other strikers that are in better form than Tammy is so I wasn't surprised to see uh to see his name not in not in the squad as much as I would have loved to, to see him there I I, th- I can understand that decision so, so uh, Tammy <laughs> was dropped by Mourinho uh, this past weekend, both Tammy Abraham this past week. Uh, I forget that it's been like nine out of the last 10 days or nine of 10 days um, have City A games in them. Um, but Tammy Abraham and Gallo Belotti were dropped by Mourinho in the match against Sassuolo. Um, Tammy came off the bench and finally did score. And it's bizarre because he's he's created chances all season. He's missed more big chances than any player in Serie A. He, the only player that's had more big chances, big chances being, you know, clear-cut goal-scoring opportunities. And the only player that's had more big chances in Serie A than Tammy Abraham has been Victor Osimhen. Osimhen leads the league in scoring. The only player to have as many uh, big chances as Tammy Abraham is uh, Marko Arnautovic. And Arnautovic was leading Serie A in scoring and is still toward the top of the Capo Camonieri standings. And Tammy, for whatever reason, was just missing chance after chance. It was good to see him get back on the score sheet, scored a really good header um, coming in off the bench. And if you do get benched by your manager and he does bring you on with a few minutes left to play, then the absolute best response you can have is what he had. Score which goal. Is the yeah. Score goal and, and the mm-hmm. seven-game goal drought. 1,000%. I think for, I think for Tammy as well... Uh, uh, strikers, Mike Grella talks about it all the time, but strikers also need a bit of luck. And I think anyone that is watching Roma week in, week out sees some of these chances that Tammy has missing and they're actually harder to miss than to score. So I think even if you're a Roma, if you're not a Roma fan, sorry, you actually feel for him because it must be so frustrating. And I wasn't surprised to see him starting on the bench uh, this past weekend, but it's so good to see him you know, getting on the score sheet, especially ahead of this World Cup break where he won't be playing and he will be obviously watching England from home, I think, to get his confidence up so he's not in feeling down over such a long stretch. It, it, it was the best case scenario for him, even though it wasn't overall a great performance from the team. I think about stuff like that, like, way too much, how little instances can change in, like, an entire career. Uh, I, I One of the moments that, like, it really, really was triggered that thought for me a long time ago was David Trezeguet's volley against Italy in the 2000 Euro final. Uh, And I thought about it. I was like, David Trezeguet won a World Cup in 98. He wasn't unknown, but he was not the David Trezeguet. Uh, And when he scored that volley, like he instantly vaulted into household status. He was David Trezeguet then. It's like, if he misses that volley, though, he's just another guy on France. France doesn't win the Euro final, probably. He maybe has a good career, but we don't remember him as David Trezeguet. And there's so many of those moments 
but that's why football is beautiful to me because like a, a blade of grass can impact an entire career <laughs> it's the most random sport of all time it's it's probably why it's impossible to program as a video game because the most random stuff happens in, in real life so you have to code that uh, but yeah I think about things like that like a, a little moment can change a striker's confidence completely you stop overthinking things Tammy's getting into very good areas you can see that by the fact that he's missing a lot of big chances a little all it takes is a little bit of confidence all, a little bit of a breath before you get into the chance and a goal it, in such a, a pivotal moment and and Mourinho as as much as we we love to talk about him sometimes throwing players under the bus he's also very good at motivating some players like some of them it, it's sink or swim with that guy like you either yeah. respond very well to it or you die <laughs> i want to talk i want to talk about Mourinho Mourinhoing um but i do want to go on a little <laughs> bit of a tangent because you remember you reminded me of the most recent example of that little moments that can change everything for a player and it was in chelsea's uh most recent champions league win where christian Pulisic has that like point blank miss on a game that yeah. uh, a, a chance that could have put the game away for chelsea and imagine just sort of how different Pulisic's last, you know, year and a half or whatever is if he scores that goal instead of missing it. Uh, but that said, let's go back to um, City stuff because Jose Mourinho <laughs> is, he's having a time. Like he's, he's had, he mentions not just one, but two of his uh, number nines, uh, Tammy Abraham and Gallo Belotti in favor of Elder Shomorov, who, if he's had a good game for Roma, I haven't seen it yet. He, he's not uh, performed at the same level that he did in the one season he was in City before he arrived at Roma, but he gets the, the call. He gets the start, you know, made a mistake or two in the in the first half and on the back end of the game a very cryptic uh message about being betrayed by one of the players uh which i guess we can we can try and speculate on which player it was that, that he was talking about but he told the said unnamed player that he should look for a new team in january based on you know we think this one game and this one performance yeah, I, it was. Uh, I've actually been mulling over um, his lineup from this match, just curiously, um, wondering who it could have possibly have been. Is somebody something vibrating aggressively? Yeah, I can hear it. I don't know whose it is, though. It's not from my end. <laughs> it was my, my phone ringing on silent. Um, that maybe that, that's going to be. We were all just my... like trying to ignore it. Like, hey, someone's going to get it, right? You're going to. You're, you're probably going to get it, right? The phone buzzing is now my is now my 16th player out of 15. That uh, that's it. Betrayal. No. Um. So do we do we want to speculate as to who we think the um? I think the... a lot of the papers are speculating that it is uh Rick Karsdorp. It has to be. Yes. Yeah. I think it's got to be Karstorp. I don't, I don't know. So he, he wouldn't name what the player was, which to me like makes me wonder what even was the point so, of that's saying so it. Messy. That's so anyway, messy. Wait, what is the point of putting that laundry out there? So it's almost un, that's the most unlike Mourinho thing that I think we've seen. The fact that he just didn't drop the name in. I think it was only a, a couple of months ago that he overheard one of his players doing a post game interview, and then he felt the need to go into the media and say, "Oh, they just did an interview saying they had a good game." I totally disagree. So he goes out. Of that was Abraham. He's usually so, unafraid to name and shame. I don't know yeah, why he's being so coy right now. Like, I, don't think, <laughs> I think it was very intentional, if I'm being honest. Because if he wants everybody looking over their shoulder presently uh, at this point in time, given, I don't know, 
um, the match that they played against Sassuolo, you want people to be a little bit shook, maybe. I don't know. I don't know the full dynamics of Mourinho's brain, although I'd love to crawl in his ear one day and just see what's happening, like what that hamster's doing in that wheel. But um, he... I think he's very intentional in what he says. When he omits things, it's very intentional. He wanted the effect that he got out of this quote. And I'm sure that the dressing room was probably all abuzz with like, was it you? Is it you? <laughs> I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that at this point, it's not just sort of cathartic and therapeutic for him. Because the one thing that is consistent <laughs> about Jose Mourinho, and he's one of the most successful managers of all time, nothing but admiration for everything that he's won. But the one big consistent thing, whether he wins or he loses, is that nothing is ever Mourinho's fault. So mm-hmm. dropping points wasn't Mourinho's fault. The attention had to be on somebody else, on this unnamed player. Uh, we expect Rick, Car- Rick Karsdorp, who, by the way, is having a terrible month. He was left out of the uh, World Cup squad uh, for the Netherlands um, and is now reportedly going to be looking for a new team in January. He was at fault um, for the Sassuolo goal. He did have a few lapses in concentration. He did not have a very good game. I just failed to see what the benefit is of the cryptic um, dunking on him. Uh, here's a quick Rick Carsdale point. When I did pre-match interviews in the tunnel before the Garbe de la Capitale, I interviewed Rick Carsdorp and I was, I he had just done one with another network, and I asked him one question that was fairly similar to one that he had just answered, and he was like, "As I said before," and I was like, "Bro, you you did not say that to our network, my, my boy." <laughs> I know, I know that you you might not want to do these interviews, but that's not really how this works. <laughs> So, so, so Aaron is signing with Mourinho. Aaron actually gave Rick the Malocchio in the tunnel, and that was why yeah. he performed so poorly against Sassuolo. This is no, what I've concluded. That, that's all on him, honestly. That's all on him. I, do, you know what is, do you know what is interesting about uh, Jose, though, is he defends players in interesting times, too. You know, in his last pre-match conference, he said, the only player that I can tell you is definitely starting. <laughs> Even, yes. Yeah, Isabaniez, and he yet yeah, he was the one that that made a mistake in the game before. So, I think it's always interesting. But then when you think back to the teams that Jose has been with over the time, there always seems to be one player that he doesn't get along with and has a lot of drama with in the in the locker room. I even think back to his time at Tottenham and him and Deli Ali. Deli was just completely like left from everything you know if you could see behind the scenes I'm sure he was having to train by himself as well so it's interesting dynamics I feel like once you get on the wrong side of him it's very hard to to make your way back to the other side um I think if we want to stay the course with um some of the brighter spots for world cup provisional or final uh, roster announcements. We've got um, Weston McKinney and Sergio Dest representing for the U.S. men's national team um, from Juve and Milan. I think that that's, I'm like, let's not be so negative, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we also need to strategize here in terms of those of us who typically root for Italy in their omission what our backup squad is going to be. I think we might have uh, a bit of a rivalry crop up, I think, in terms of Croatia. Um, Serbia still yet to announce they could have the highest concentration of uh, Italian players. Uh, perhaps Argentina is your flavor of this World Cup, or perhaps Poland. Um, I feel like Serbia think- could be a strong, like, dark horse team to pull for because they have a really, really strong squad. They have a lot of fun players from Serie A, and I think they're going to do... I really think they're going to do well this World Cup. Um, I, Serbia is a great show, and I, I mean, I, honestly, we all, uh, the, the, the Italian Argentine affinity has always been very strong. So that's that's an easy backup for. for mm-hmm. 
for Italians, but I I gotta say Serbia is gonna be really fun to watch this World Cup. So Aaron's I think Serbia. Gonna, I think Dre I'll, had some I'll, I'll really pick Serbia for you guys uh, if, if you're looking for a second team. Dre had a compelling argument earlier uh, in favor of Croatia, which I could be yeah. always persuaded. Always a yeah. very strong show. So um, the two no-brainers, the two no-brainers are Argentina and Croatia, right? Argentina for the reason that Aaron says that there's that sort of connection um, between them, and then you know Argentina. If, uh, the one team out of all of those we'll be talking about that has a legit chance to actually win the whole thing, if you're looking for that sort of thing, uh, is Argentina. Um, and yes, I know that you just won the. Copa America, but we've seen like recent examples um, in, in recent years of teams doubling up on tournaments, whether it was Spain, maybe not so recent. Uh, it feels like it was only yesterday, but when they won the two Euros and the World Cup, uh, we saw Chile, who had never won anything, uh, going win back-to-back um, Copa America titles in, in, in back-to-back years, both against Argentina, both on penalties. Um, so I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Argentina, having won the Copa America, could go and build on that, having like shed the ghosts of not winning anything since 1993 and play a little bit more loose and go on to win this thing. And they have a ton of Serie A players, the two Juventini, uh, Di Maria and Paredes, uh, Nico Gonzalez of Fiorentina, um, Lautaro Martinez of Inter, Paulo Dybala. We suspect he'll be healthy in time for the World Cup. He's in bubble wrap right now. It's bubble wrap season. Uh, and Joaquin Correa. Uh, of Inter um, will also be on that roster. But Croatia... We, we, we will talk bubble talk season, by the way. We're getting to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bubble wrap season, sorry. <laughs> It is um, Croatia is a really good one, not because of the volume, right? They only have four players um, in the, on the roster that are playing in Serie A, but the quality of those four players. Croatia, uh, Martin Erlich is maybe the one that's like a little bit more surprising, and I don't expect him to start. Um, Erlich of uh, Sassuolo is part of that roster, um, but that midfield of Brozovic, Pasalic, and maybe the one that will get less talk about, but it, it's just been sensational to watch this season. Uh, Nikola Vlasic of, of Torino. I expect all those players to get minutes. I expect Croatia to be fun uh, and a good team to watch and a really good follow for those who don't want to go the uh, glory hunting Argentina route. <laughs> and uh, I think, yeah, I'm going Croatia. Poppy, I know you have England in there, but you, if you have to go with uh, what's your what's your dark horse Italian heavy squad you think you're riding uh, Honestly, I was just about to say England have done themselves no favours in earning any Italo- Italian following, have they? Mm. Uh, not that they would anyway, but they might have had a few if Tomori had been in there just from a Serie A perspective. Um, but I would say, honestly, the team that I'm... I'm the team that I'm most excited to see is Argentina. I want to see Di Maria obviously playing and I just feel like the messy magic and everything that's that's going into it, I feel like they have to be a favourite. But I'm with Dre's convinced me. Croatia, I'm excited Croatia. as well yeah. for them. So obviously apart from England, uh, yeah, I think I think Croatia's the team. Nothing well, to do with our were... boss being uh, a yeah. Croatian who just absolutely loves Croatian football. Shout out. We're all going to have our, uh, our Croatian tablecloth shirts underneath our regular clothing. Like, look, yeah. I, I was here all along. I suspect they, they randomly put me and Ray Hudson on a Dinamo Zagreb call uh, in the Champions League group stage. Uh, not randomly. It was a good call, but, uh, you know, it might have been one of those audience of one situations. Uh, the, other, the, other team, <laughs> the other team that um, that you should keep an eye out for, uh, Serbia, we don't know the roster yet, but Serbia could have seven to ten players um, from Serie A on their, on their squad. One that we do know will have almost a starting 11 full of Serie A players is Poland. Uh, yep. Poland have... All three goalkeepers are Serie A goalkeepers, uh, Tej yep. Tesny, uh, yep. Lukas Kodowski, and uh, Dragowski. Uh, so basically the entire stable of goalkeepers plays in the Italian top flight. Uh, and then they do have some star players like Peter Zielinski, um, like Arik Milik, players who are playing at big clubs and can do big things uh, for, for the Poles. Uh, it's not inconceivable if they line up a uh, starting eleven that is absolutely dominated by Calcio players. 
All right. So then I'm going Croatia, Poland. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see how it shakes out. But uh, all in, uh, it is very much big bubble wrap season. I have already elected in my hypothetical situation in which I am a Serie A player that I am I'm opting for food poisoning this week <laughs> because, you know, you want it to be resolvable, but like get you out of maybe like a match or two. This this week has been breakneck. They've had 10 consecutive days of um, of playing. I mean, uh, I don't know, Aaron, what's. What's your I'm, insult, feeling I'm insulting right a referee in the tunnel. I'm telling you, I'm keeping my, <laughs> my anthem jacket. I'm not even putting like, I'm not even putting shin guards on. I'm gonna be in my full sweats. I don't even. I probably won't even need to shower. I'll probably, I'll, I'll do the warm up just so I get like keep my fitness base high. Like stay, <laughs> stay, stay moving. Do everything. Like do some plyos, and then in before the tunnel, like before we go out for the anthems, I'm calling. A referee, something that cannot be repeated on this podcast. Just having to go at the fourth official. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So I don't even get on the pitch. We don't have to go a man down. I just have to be quietly replaced. Like, I like that everybody's you're, um... shuffling. All the reporters are like, wait, wait, wait. I thought Aaron was in the starting 11. What's going on? And then, like, they're all whispering, like, trying to figure out what happened. They're like, oh, my gosh. He's in so the... you're wait, like, what is baby. Yeah, I, I, I want to take – I want to be considerate. I want everyone to, like – I'm just going to whisper something mildly insulting that I have to get sent off, but yeah. <laughs> not like mom worthy, like a no, 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 headbutt no. kind of a no, scenario. Absolutely but, you know. not. I'm not, we're not going to, probably not going to insult anyone's family members, but maybe like <laughs> something they like their refereeing ability just enough that, that it, it would have to get me suspended. Yeah. <laughs> if Poppy, I, if I had that? to go that route, I, I would go the traditional um, Ronaldinho route, which is anytime he was hungover, it was gastroenteritis. Uh, because no one's gonna, no one's gonna question it. Uh, you know, it's just don't, don't even ask questions. What type of gastroenteritis? Gastroenteritis. So you're out. Love it. So what, what's, what's your sneaky out? Honestly, this just made me laugh because now I'm thinking this makes sense why Giroud took his shirt off when he was already on a yellow yeah. card. He's like, yeah. he, knew, he knew exactly what he was doing, and he gave I'll the people what they out. wanted in the same in the same move. What a, like, what a guy! A man of the people. Take his shirt off showman. quick enough. He was like, "This goal probably is going to be disallowed, but let me get my shirt off as soon as I can before <laughs> so I'm get sent off." And then he's like, "Wait, me? I was already on a yellow. No." Um, but, Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. I'm almost on the other side of this. If I'm playing for a team that's, you know, that's not have players going to the World Cup or a team that's in the lower half of the uh, league, this is prime time to play these top teams. They don't want any part of that this weekend. They, like you said, are in their bubble wrap. This is the best time to play the top teams, I think. That's a very good point. 
Poppy's going for the January transfer window, whereby she plays so well for Cremonese that she's yes. getting promoted. Yeah, hey, okay, Poppy, Poppy's it. looking at her goal bonuses. She's looking right? at her goal and assist bonuses on the contract. Just, I'm not, is, I'm not yeah. saying that's how Forrest beat Tottenham yesterday because Harry Kane wanted no part of <laughs> getting kicked, but that is exactly how we beat them. I mean, that is honestly a, like a fantastic shout, though, because like imagine you're a player who's definitely not going to a World Cup. Your team is exactly. actually fighting for something. I'm like my first challenge. I'm going in on one of these World Cup guys, like pretty hard. Like, hey, you, you know what it is. Just to shake you know it up. What it is. You don't want to come <laughs> hey, near me for the rest of the game. I don't have anywhere to be, buddy. You do. <laughs> so just just a psychological analysis of us in this like Serie A team that we have here. Um, three out of four of us uh, think that we're superstar players at the top of the table going into the World Cup. <laughs> one. One of she's sitting it out. Okay. And I'm I'm going in ready to kick some ankles this weekend. <laughs> hey, that is not unlike how Poppy plays normally though, so it actually tracks. Study. Yeah. Study. I'm just fitting my brand like I normally play. Too slow, so I'll just go for the ankles. <laughs> Listen, the thing I'll say about Poppy though is um we were talking about this yesterday, and it's like she moves in slow motion, but so efficiently and fluidly, just dribbling <laughs> around people that I'm like, how is that actually how no. is it possible? <laughs> the how slow motion possible? isn't on purpose. That is just yeah. me at my fastest speed. <laughs> it's like watching Milinkovic Savage go by people in midfield. It's like, how is he that, doing this? He's like yeah, barely like, moving. <laughs> man, sticky feet though, that ball retention, ten out of ten. Oh, this is too funny. Oh. Yeah, great, great week for Nottingham Forest. So let me just give them a shout out. I'm expecting another big result from them this weekend. They've got no one going to the World Cup. Ah, <laughs> it's all right. Maybe one year, someday. It yeah. right. Can I make a, no an off the wall Syria prediction really quickly? Go ahead, Aaron. Hit it. I think I think Vlaovic is going to score five goals at least this World Cup. I think he's wow. going to have a very, very good World Cup because I think he's going to actually get service. I think he's going to be like so happy to play with people who like really understand him and want to get on the ball. He's just going to go off. It's going to be five assists from Kostic. (laughs) 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 They're just going to stare directly into the camera and be like, Allegri, do you see? Do you see how efficiently? Look Look what happens when you play play in the opposition's half once in a while and (laughs) score some goals, get some assists. Uh, Think think about who he's got passing him the ball now. He's got Milinkovic Savage behind him. He's got Kostic. This is going to be great for him. He's going to have a great time. Speaking uh, of great times, no, no one having a, a better time right now than Napoli. Uh, ten straight wins. Uh, they are eight points clear at the time of recording. Uh, it could be double. Is that good? It could be double digits by the end of the week. It's uh, it's not just good. It's probably as good as we've ever seen Napoli, at least um, in my lifetime covering uh, Serie A. Uh, this is an Napoli team that looks uh, destined to do big and special things, but hasn't done them yet. Um, and I think it's got as much to do with other teams. Like, for example, 12 games into last season, they were on record points, but they were tied with Milan on record points and neither team had lost. This year, Milan's not as good. Inter's not as good. Juve's not as good. Um, and so it is it, sort of there for Napoli to, to open up this massive gap just before uh, they get this, this break underway. However, when they come back from the World Cup slash winter break, there's a five-game stretch for Napoli that includes a game away to enter, that includes a game against a very improved Juve, who are the best, Serie a, the best defense in Serie A this season, and a game against Roma, 
um, in, a, in a five game stretch that could sort of, you know, make or break the trajectory of um, of Napoli going into the midpoint of the actual season. So I'm not one of those people that says it's done and dusted and that this is Napoli's year. But it, it has been fun to see the swing from those that were arguing at the beginning of the year that, yeah, Napoli do this all the time. They, they start hot and they fizzle out to now the ones who are saying it's over and done with. It's Napoli Scudetto first time since Maradona was in shorts. Yeah, I don't think there's any chance that this thing is done and dusted. I there's I like I'm almost will guarantee you there's a lot of drama left in this season. Um there's too much going on. Things are too complicated for it not for not they are pr- almost certainly going to drop points somewhere and that's when things start to get real fun. Uh especially in Naples because of how like intense their supporters are and how superstitious their supporters are and how much pressure they that city puts on their team um now we're gonna see exactly how much pressure these guys can take they look great when the sun is shining and everything is cool and but now it's gonna get cold uh, it's gonna get real ugly pitch is gonna get nasty and people are gonna have been getting injured we've seen how they've done without Kvara Serea. we've seen how they've done without a, a couple key players, without Osimhen. Um, and I'm not really necessarily worried about them like getting hit by a spate, a spate of injuries, but they're deep. They're deep. Mm-hmm. I want to see how they handle this mentally. I, I think they can, but I don't I don't think this will be like at the end of the season, they're 15 points clear. I think we're, we're looking at a two to five point gap at the end of the season. I think you're right. I think it. it will I think it will close. I think it would be absurd for them to maintain sort of like a double digit point lead through the end of the season. But I don't count out the possibility of them having an unblemished season and I'm okay with being the crazy person that thinks they could actually do it. Um, I think the depth, the quality, also this atypical timing and break, which usually is a period of time where Napoli may start to concede a bit, may serve them the best out of every squad in Serie A. Um, I don't know. I'm very high on them this season. Um, One, but yeah, I think that, you know, maybe it's their diamond season that they don't crumble under the pressure and they actually come out on the other side. It would be a beautiful story, quite frankly. Um, yeah. But I think um, I think they could do it. I And it would mean, it would mean that we had four different champions in four separate years, right? You would have had Juve, Inter, Milan, and Napoli, you know, if they do hold up. One non-sort of serious uh, Napoli thing before we get back to, like, the actual football is someone is out there playing real-life Grand Theft Auto in the city of (laughs) Because remember months ago, um, Spalletti had his Fiat Panda stolen, and some ultras put up a a banner outside of uh, the Stadio Maradona that said, if you resign, um, we'll give you back your Panda. Uh, (laughs) It's been a wild ride for for Spalletti, who like started the season arguing with fans outside of their you know training headquarters, uh, and now has them top of the table eight points clear. Uh, but then since then, we've seen uh, Kim Minje had a car stolen, and Kvaracelia had a car stolen. So if you're in Naples, uh, Naples, Florida, Naples, Italy, just lock your cars, you know, just just to be safe. Um, I'm not sure what's happening in the South of Italy at the moment, but Counter, um, that's important. It's, it's the Napoli baptism. It's their welcome, okay? You need to have at least one morning where you wake up and you're like, ah, la mia macchina, dove? Like, and just lose your mind, okay? Hey, like, and, and not, 
not that I'm sponsored by Fiat, but um, but if they want to send a, a free Fiat <laughs> Honda my way, I, I'm happy with that. Because what is it with that car in particular that like footballers have such an affinity for? Uh, Arturo Vidal has one that he loves more than life itself. And Luciano Spalletti, who can drive virtually anything he wants to, uh, apparently had one as well that was stolen uh, months ago. Listen, if Fiat are listening and they want to send Dre um, <laughs> a vehicle, I, I support it entirely because I will happily steal it for him to recreate the experience. Get in. It's fine. Teamwork. Anything else on Napoli? I don't know. Pops, what do you think? Honest, I feel like you've been awfully quiet for a team that's been barreling through this season thus far. I'm honestly <laughs> thinking of what else I can say about Napoli because I'm trying to think of something that's that's almost something to bring them down. And I just can't. So I feel like there's only so much you can say. My biggest question was, how would they cope without Victor Osimhen, And how would they cope without Cavara? We've seen them without both now. That Even mm -hmm. when they don't play the best style of football, they don't play the greatest game, you still have the belief that they're going to get the results some way, somehow. They have so many contributors going forward. They have so many goal scorers. Whether Raspadori starts or comes in off the bench, he seems to make a difference. Simeone's making a case to, to start. Victor Osimhen wasn't even in the starting lineup when he got back from his injury and now you can't take him out. So I just think they've got so much depth and balance. And what always stands out to me about Napoli is the creativity. You know, like we watch Inter this season or we watch even Milan and it seems like unless Rafael Leao or Teo Hernandez is going to make something happen or Olivier Giroud is going to come in clutch, you're not always convinced where these goals are going to come from and... and Napoli seem to be, for me, the team that have this magic spark and, and they just play with such freedom. I'm watching and I'm thinking like, how do you mark Cavara? He's all over the pitch. He's one side, he's the other side. It, it, they just, I think that's such credit to Spalletti for just letting them play. And it's just so refreshing to watch. So honestly, I don't have, I, I, want, I want to say something that stands out to me that's a, that's a concern. But honestly, at this point in the season, I, I don't have anything. And, and even with the World Cup break, I mean, they don't have a ton of players that are, that are going or if mm -hmm. they are, the, the players that are going on expected to, to stay that long in the World Cup. So you've got to imagine a lot of them will be well rested by the new year as well. Um, so the, I know the, they don't like talking about the Scudetto in Napoli, but I am for them. I am feeling very <laughs> optimistic. So, so Napoli, I mean, I love the, the positivity around them right now. Um, and, and the fact that Luciano Spalletti may finally be getting that, um, Scudetto two-time coach of the year, um, winner. He was the, you know, he had Roma close when, when Roma were competing with Juventus. Uh, they finished second, I think one year on the him, one, one year under Rudy Garcia, um, he won the most recent manager of the month um, honors, I believe, in Serie A. Uh, they're going to have a few players uh, going to the World Cup. They've got uh, Peter Zielinski uh, mm -hmm. for Poland. They've got uh, Frank Anguisa. Sam Anguisa has been brilliant. Uh, Kim Minjay, even though the South Korea squad hasn't been announced, he'll almost certainly be there. Right. Uh, Mario Rui with uh, Portugal, although that's just a 55-man roster. You still expect him to be there. Uh, and Uruguay's 55-man roster has uh, Matias Oliveira, who joined them from Hetafe this past summer and has pushed Mario Rui because Oliveira is a better, more of a defender defensive option and has actually pushed Mario Rui to become more of a midfielder, more of a creator and sort of lean into his strengths to, to balance out the competition that he's feeling from Oliveira, who's a better sort of defensive fullback. But the one that um, I'd like to talk a little bit about is Chucky Lozano. Because is yeah. it just the case that like his form just coincides with the fact that everybody in Napoli is vibing and things are working there? Or are we like believing that he's going to transfer this into the Mexican national team as well? Because he is a key player for them. And if he's playing as well for Mexico, 
um, as he is for for Napoli right now, that is a huge, huge boost for Adri. I'm actually really, really interested to see his World Cup because I think his role at Napoli is just it suits him so well. Um, I, I think we've kind of seen him get shoehorned in previous years into roles he didn't really, really suit. But he, like, he's the whole team is playing with such a freedom. He looks super, super comfortable. He's doing the things he's good at. He's he's allowed to run down the wing. He's kind of allowed to float a bit. Um, I, I I don't know if he's going to have that same support and freedom for Mexico. Um, I don't know if the setup is the same. That or, I know the setup is is not the same. My my, what I'm really trying to say is I don't know if that that tactical framework and the just freedom of the team is is the same where he will have the same ability and role to play, to be himself. So I'm interested to see it. I don't get to watch Mexico enough. And that's why it's like literally a question for me. So uh, I, I would, I am a Chucky fan. Um, I have a lot of Mexican friends, so I like to see Mexico do well. And it's not against the U S I want to see Mexico do well. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Oh, I'm going to specify not yeah, against the U S. Yeah. I love Mexico as long as they're not playing the U S. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I'm really interested to see his world cup. I hope he does well. I mean, Mexico also put out one of the best kits. Oh, for sure. Like, oh, yes. And shoulders above many. But uh, I was just going to finish up with saying, like, Spalletti certainly isn't um, Gerardo Martino and vice versa. So um, to your point, Aaron, it, it will be interesting to see how they actually deploy Chucky um, for Mexico. It, um, it feels like this is a, a good place to leave it so that we don't have to um, continue being too positive with uh, Juve, uh, Juve and Fiorentina uh, doing as well as they have uh, How in recent rounds. Not yeah. sulk off uh, the air. I mean, you know, I, I think but... I'd love to chat about Fiore. Maybe we'll leave that for, for next Thursday. Uh, Juve, we spend way too much time on them every single week, but they are a really, really compelling story. And they have been brilliant, by the way, four straight wins. Yeah. Can I say um, one negative a... about Napoli? Literally, just Fine. One. Get it their out your only system. weakness is in goal. I don't trust Alex Medet at all. I don't trust him. <laughs> I don't trust them. That's it. That's if we're, I'm going to go find it, a weakness. It's going to be in goal. There we go. I, I, That's I, it. I found one. Okay. I hear you. He had he had a hold on. He, he had a, a howler already this season. He had one against Empoli last season. Um, there, there's and I'm going to go like stats geek now because there's a uh, there's a measure. Like I don't. I, I used to have talk with uh, Gary. Um, former Manchester United uh, uh, goalkeeper he used to work with me. I'm not going to get into the details, but we we would talk about. You know what makes it? I don't know what makes a good goalkeeper, a bad goalkeeper. Like goalkeeping has so many varieties of styles. Like how do you compare someone like a Thibaut Courtois to like a Marc Andre Ter Stegen, who have completely dramatically different uh, ways of approaching the game? I mean, obviously both are sensational elite goalkeepers. But one thing that helped me sort of like parse this was this stat about like post shot expected goals. It's turning expected goals on its head to say, okay, this is the quality of the shots that you've uh, that, that you faced. This is the number of goals that you could reasonably expect to concede given that quality of shots. And then how many have you given up? based on that sort of benchmark. And Alex Medet has been toward the top of Serie A on that benchmark. The thing is, he does have the occasional absolute howler that makes you think, well, he's not good enough. And there's a reason that Napoli were looking, you know, to, to sign a top, top goalkeeper like a Cater Navas or something like that over the summer transfer window. They haven't needed him. I don't know that Medet is necessarily a weakness, but I hear you that those big, high-profile mistakes are a problem. I'm just trying to find something here. Listen, I'm trying to keep us grounded somehow. Yeah. <laughs> We've got Aaron on, on the books. I've literally written this down now. Alex Moret, goalkeeper, possible weakness, along with my... No, no, I heard, I heard Aaron. 
Uh, I heard Aaron say that he was going to cost Napoli the title. Is what yeah, I, heard. I did too. I did. <laughs> let me amend. Let me amend the quote for further usage. Um, but now I've I've put it among my Spalletti's inability to steer out of the bad with my possible weakness for the squad. So we'll see how this develops as we go forward. Um, I think this is probably a good point to wrap. We have uh, Napoli Udinese on Saturday with Dre and Matteo on the call. And then all Sunday, all matches starting from 6.30 a.m. through 5.30 p.m., including studio coverage between all of the games. If you want to hang out with Poppy some more, which who doesn't? Um, we you can cannot wait. Paramount Plus. Um, so, and again, you wait for 22. Is that the Royal Last Wee, Poppy? The promo. Yeah. <laughs> we cannot wait. We're so excited. All day, quadruple header, 6.30 all the way through. The first time. So, Pops, you have, what, a 4 a.m. wake-up call then? <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got Grella's coffee with extra salt waiting for him. Oh no! Just perfect. I can't wait. Godspeed. We will catch you all next week. Be sure to tune in for the rest of the matches this week uh, as well as today, and we will catch you next Thursday. Ciao, Thursday. Bye, guys. Ciao for now.